This podcast is brought to you by the Islamic Center at NYU, located in New York City. For more information, visit our website at www.icnyu.org. beloved! Oh my goodness, it's so, so wonderful to be here with you. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to be with you. So amazing. You just, first of all, I see NYU. Get up for I see NYU. Just hosting this Qiyam in and of itself. Now it's like, oh, well, I don't know. Tonight, let me tell you what I was thinking, right? So I was like, oh, I want to print out some papers for them, some du'a for them. So I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'll run to my office. Maybe I'll print out about 20, 25 papers. <laughs> Glad I didn't do that. <laughs> um, I want to first, you know, give a quick disclaimer. It's actually just Imam Khaled and Amira's beautiful, beautiful hearts that they call me Sheikha, but in reality, I'm just Miskina and, <laughs> and I'm just Aisha Prime. So. Uh, I want to, you know, if you came in here tonight like expecting some great, huge scholar, I'm sorry my teachers are in Yemen and in Egypt, they couldn't make it tonight. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I'm going to stand in their place, inshallah. <laughs> All right, there are a couple of things I just want, I want to start off with just to respect the time that we're in, right? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by in the Quran when he says, Meaning that Allah swears by the by the pressing of time. Right? He swears by the pressing of time that all humanity is in loss. Except those who have faith, right? And join together, who come together, right? In mutual teachings of truth, of patience, and constancy, right? And this is when, if we were to look at, shine out the lights over New York City, right? Allah help, Allah help. Majority of mankind is in loss. Except those who have faith. Those of you who are, subhanAllah, in Qiyam, praying Salatul Tarweeh, those who are, you know, making du'a tonight, those who are giving sadaqah, those who are reciting Qur'an, those who are doing whatever they can, to, those who are putting their beautiful babies to bed, so those who, like, by reciting their three cools and blowing over them, those who are tonight, you know, reciting stories of Ramadan for their children, or those who are serving others who are fasting or preparing meals or preparing suhoor, Everyone else, subhanAllah, wasting their time. So I want to tell you, congratulations. Congratulations from being amongst those that be ibni la ta'ala, Allah has chosen you. Without a doubt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you. You wouldn't be here tonight unless Allah ta'ala had chosen you. Unless Allah ta'ala chose you by name. He chose you by name, knowing every single deed you've ever done and every single deed you will ever do, and He chose you to put the light of La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, sallallahu alaihi in your heart. And he chose you for that. What a gift! He chose to have a unique relationship. 
relationship with you. This is the meaning of like when we say Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, there's a general mercy he gives to all mankind. But when it's Ar-Rahim, says I have a specific relationship with you fi dunya wa akhirah. Something unique for you. Something unique to your DNA. Something unique to your condition. Something unique to your family. Something unique to everything. That connection to being in this moment. SubhanAllah. So I'm, I just want to say that I'm super grateful to be amongst the children. Super grateful to be amongst the women that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called to carry the light of Nur Muhammadiyah. To be amongst the women that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen to carry the light in their hearts of La ilaha illallah. SubhanAllah, I don't know what, what it is about you. I don't know it yet. I hope to know it. I don't know what it is about you that Allah ta'ala chose you, but I know He did. And He only does so out of His love out of his infinite, magnificent, powerful love that he would choose you. SubhanAllah, mabruk, mabruk, mabruk alaykum. Never take that for granted. Never take that gift for granted. Never take that relationship for granted. I want to honor the time, inshaAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, that fasting is prescribed for you. Right? We've been hearing this for like all the weeks leading up to since Rajab. Right? Since Rajab, we've been hearing this verse. We should all know it by heart by now. Right? And subhanAllah, it contains some really important things. It says fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you, perchance you may gain taqwa. Couple of points, maybe more than a couple, <laughs> that inshallah we're going to focus on tonight as it relates to this particular ayah. The first one is, Allah Ta'ala says, I have prescribed for you. That I have written it for you, given you a prescription, like a doctor knows, he knows you, he knows your state, he knows your condition, right? In and out. He's done the full scan, deeper than the MRI, right? Deeper than the CAT scan. He knows your mental state. He knows the state of your heart. He knows the state of your iman. He knows where you are in your life. And he said, I have prescribed for you fasting. Right? But you're not alone. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like, oh, Lord, I'm sick. And now they know it because I'm fasting. <laughs> no, subhanAllah said, as it was prescribed for those before you. Meaning that you come in a long line of community, of people who believe in Allah, and people who follow the, the Anbiya, the Prophets, those who are sent to connect the creation to the Creator. Those who follow in that lineage, in that path, fasting is prescribed for you. Like it was prescribed for those bef before you, perchance that you may gain taqwa. Two things. Number one, Allah Ta'ala is saying that you, 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 collective you, individual you, may gain taqwa, taqwa, God consciousness, love of Allah, a magnificent love and awe of Allah that you would be afraid, too shy to disobey Him. Right? 
promote this is this is the goal. That's the goal. When we start from the beginning, from our intention, we have to know what's the goal. What am I doing it for? What's the purpose? Right? Like for all the fasting I'm doing, for all the hunger I'm suffering. Right? For all the for all the weight I'm losing, which I'm quite happy about. <laughs> right? For all the standing in, in the night, for all of my, you know, feet swelling and like, you know that moment where the pain like starts to shoot up your leg, right? And you're just waiting like, please, y'all don't let me say, oh no. <laughs> so you know the moment, I'm not by myself. How do you that? Um, you know, for all of that, right? Feet swelling, pain in the leg, feeling like I'm gonna pass out, but I'm, 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 I'm holding fast. Right? And you're like, and we're only on number eight. I'm 22, not tonight. <laughs> uh, SubhanAllah, for all of our, you know, reading and reciting Quran, for all of our doing our best to give in charity, depleting our bank accounts, for all of this staying up late and losing sleep, for all the headaches you have endured, have you reached the goal? That's the point. Did we get to the point that we have taqwa? Am I, did I fall in love with Allah? Right? Or am I just hungry? Right? Did I gain a relationship with Allah Ta'ala that every moment I open the Quran, I'm in awe? Or am I just sleepy? Am I standing in prayer like, Ya Allah, my, my heart absorbed this, this beautiful letter that you have written for me? Or am I just tired? Have, are we reaching the goal? Are we gaining taqwa? Am I in love? Am I connected? Am I like, no way I'm gonna, he's gonna, no way he's gonna catch me watching that or listening to that, or hanging out with, you know who, right? <laughs> or no way I'm going to be, uh-uh, nah, nah. And not just in Ramadan, by the way, right? Not like, don't, don't text me this month. <laughs> right? Not like 30 days. <laughs> you laugh because you don't talk to me. <laughs> Of other folks' lives that we know, we could all be who follow Quran. 
We could have learned another language. <laughs> Seriously, we might all be speaking German. <laughs> so, some of you probably do speak German. Where's your hand you speak German? <laughs> okay, just two people. What the rest of y'all do? <laughs> so, again, the goal for us is taqwa. Let's taqwa. I want to, inshallah, tonight go over some women in the Quran. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ash-shahr Ramadan unzila fihi al-Quran hudan lil-nas. Wa bayinatin min al-hudab wal-furqan. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the month of Ramadan, the Quran descended. Allah. Allah. The first thing is, you have a deen, you have a way of life, you have a path, you have a religion that is different than anyone else's 100% hands down even. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, if you're concerned about is my religion man-made, the answer is no. No, not mine. Maybe somebody else's. Allah help and guide them. Religion might be man-made, but not Islam. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shah Ramadan unzila fihi Quran. That in the month of Ramadan, the Quran came down. Right? That it descended. That it descended from on high. Praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who allowed the language of Allah to be translated to the language of the angels, to be translated to the language of the human beings, that we would actually have something. We would actually have an instruction manual. We would actually have a book of light, a book of guidance, a book of mercy, a book of healing, a book that would call us to remembrance. From where? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. In the month of Ramadan, something magnificent happens that ties us back to the first verse. And that is, there was a meeting between the heavens and the earth. There was a meeting between the heaven and the earth. And the first of it happened, subhanallah, the first of it happened in the heart of Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam. That was the first one. Then, subhanallah, we get to share in this miracle. We get to share in this mu'ajizah. How? Because we actually fast in this month. Right? So for Allah Ta'ala to say it is a guidance for mankind, but also it is a criteria, it, is, it makes clear, the yinati, it makes clear between that which is the guidance and the criteria. What's so specific about this is that in each of these verses, I'm going to go back to the first one we talked about for a minute, in each of these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps shifting between the physical, right, and the ethereal. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes from that in the fasting that you may gain taqwa. That there is a relationship between that which is physical, right, and that which is spiritual. That Allah Ta'ala is saying that for you, your gateway to Allah, your gateway through higher consciousness, that Allah Ta'ala is using the physical actions of Ramadan in order to elevate you back to what? Back to your original state. Back to your fitrah. That he's calling you literally back home. Right? Back home. That he's saying, come back to your 
true self. Come back to your ultimate reality. And Allah Ta'ala is then saying in the month of Ramadan, in this essence of time, that the Qur'an descended. You have the pages of it, but what does it do? It makes clear that which is guidance and that which is the criteria. Meaning that if we think, and how many people are defining spirituality based on things that we, you know, I love Oprah, don't get me wrong, may Allah give her hidayah, forgive her all of her sins, blessed are Mary Stedman, give her the calls, and get to her home, right? She might be married, I don't know. She might be, you know, secretly, she's just trying to keep the paparazzi out of business, I don't know. But the point is, we, are, we use a lot of people, right, as guidance for what spirituality should be. We use a lot of self-help books, and I'm big for self-help. My mama, was, my mama used to have stacks of self-help books, like right beside her bed, right. So I don't know if I, I don't know if it's like inherited or if it's just like you know something I just learned from her. I don't know if it's nature or nurture. I don't know, but I love self-help books, like all the things that kind of just help you be a better person. Generally, women love that. <laughs> Generally, like all the women's magazines are, are filled with like steps to how to be a better parent, steps to the ten, 10 steps to a better relationship, right? Five steps to self-discovery, seven steps to how you're going to have more self-confidence. Like they, they know our attention span is short, so everything is under 10, <laughs> right? Beyond 10, I can't do it. That's just too difficult, <laughs> right? It's giving 10, may I get three? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in this moment, I'm the one who gives you the criteria. I'm the one who separates that which is truly spiritual and that which is emotional. I'm the one who will determine for you what, I'm the one who will actually give you the criteria for what is success and how you're going to go about achieving it. Right? SubhanAllah, Allah ta'ala is giving us like, saying to us, listen, I know you love all the, you know, I know you love all the conventional wisdom, and that's good, right? Wisdom is the lost property of the believer. Wherever you find it, take it, but don't equate it to this Quran. Don't take it with the same weight as what's inside this book. One is from this world, one is from on high. They are not the same. Standing at the bottom of the mountain, Thinking about how you're going to make it to the top of Kilimanjaro is not the same as you are above Kilimanjaro and you're just going to come. The, the dunya is just a trip on down. That's not the same. Right? That's not the same. SubhanAllah. And so inside the month of Ramadan, there are about five. I told you I keep it under 10 because I know we got more than that. There are about five physical actions that are connected to seven doors. The first one is, we know, fasting. The physical act of fasting. The physical act of prayer. Standing in the night. As it's called, qiyam, standing. The act of, and inside of one of these are multiple. With the Quran, there is the reading, the physical reading, reciting, and listening to the Qur'an, right? Takes care of all this <laughs> in order to reach here. Right? 
Oh, let me go back to fasting. Inside of fasting, fasting has, of course, two aspects basic. I'm not getting into all the sunan of fasting. I'm just getting into the two basics. Fasting of the mouth, the stomach, and the private parts. Then there is the physical act of giving charity. Right? Pain. Physical act of giving charity. And lastly, there's service. Right? Now, in fasting, well, let me go to this. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to draw a woman anyway. So, and so, subhanAllah, inside of the human being, there are seven rivers to the ocean of the heart. And the seven rivers to the ocean of the heart are the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the hands, the stomach, the private parts, that's it, hands, and the feet. Fasting brain will make you forget a lot of things, including age, but don't tell nobody. So eyes, ears, mouth, hands, private parts, and your feet. These, and the stomach, thank you. These are the seven rivers to the ocean of the heart. In the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I want to quarantine the heart. I want to stop all of the intoxins that are flowing through the rivers of the heart. So he says, first thing is, you're going to stop what's coming into your mouth and reaching your stomach. I'm going to shut that off. You're going to control also, right, what's coming out, what's coming in. You're going to control what's coming into your ears. Right? You're going to control what's coming, what you're consuming. You're going to, when you're fasting, there's no marital relations. Come shorter in a three-letter word. <laughs> right? During this, the fasting hours. And you're going to be careful about where you go. Super careful. <coughs> Most in the time of Ramadan, most women only go about three to four places. They go to work, they go home, they go to the masjid. They do like this, right? Home, work, masjid, home, work, masjid. And most, subhanAllah, in masjid for a lot of women, like if they have children or they're just like, and if they have work, that's like masjid, home, home, home. Home, home, grocery store, masjid, <laughs> but it's very limited, right? You're mostly thinking about, basically, you have begun to order your life around your ibadah, right? You have begun to organize your life about how are you going to worship Allah? How are you going to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Which is actually what we were supposed to be doing the whole time. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I didn't create you except for you to worship me. Right? Is Allah vain? He's saying, no, I know what your success is. You're not going to be happy if you put anything else before me. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be truly successful. You're going to feel empty inside. You're going to have serious bouts of depression. Your relationship not going to go right. You're, it's going to be a lot of problems if you put someone other than Allah before me. Okay. So the eyes, oh wait, these, you know, this, her earrings are attached and her, you know, they have a scar, but they're there. Her ears, her mouth, 
How, can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry for y'all in the back. Don't come to the cheap seats next time. <laughs> I'm teasing you, I'm teasing you. The hands, I'm writing big. Her stomach, we'll call it pee-pee. No, no. <laughs> no, that's worse. <laughs> okay. And so all of these things are literally quarantined, right, in order to protect the heart. And the Muslim Ta'ala says, I want to literally stop all of the intoxicants, all that which is darkness from flooding the heart during the month of Ramadan, and then in the next ayah, after he gives, so first he says, fasting is prescribed for you. Then in the next ayah, it actually gives all of the fiqh, Read the, like all of the thick things of regarding fasting. If you're not traveling, if you're at home, it goes into some of the details, blah, 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 right? Some of the th things about time. And then in the next one, it says, So in this moment, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, once you start fasting, then you're able, right, from that listening to the Quran, now we're going to fill the eyes. We're going to fill the ears. We're going to fill the mouth. We're going to fill the hands even. We're going to take the feet there, feet there. We're going to basically in this, then Allah Ta'ala begins to flood the heart with the light of the Qur'an. Right? But before he begins to flood the heart with the light of the Qur'an, he says, I've got to detox it first. Right? So subhanAllah, you fast in the day. Right? And you begin to you begin to stand in prayer. Your feet are like, you know, you're standing in prayer in line, listening to the Quran. Two things. Of course, just by the Quran, there's this flooding of the Quran coming into the heart. But in addition to that, now your heart is prepared to receive it. Right? Now your heart is a vessel, it's soft enough to receive it. Anybody ever notice that you're just a little bit more emotional in Ramadan? Right? Like your heart has just become like softened, right? That you all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're literally closer to your emotions. You're closer to your heart, which is not a bad thing. Don't let people tell you that being close to your heart is a bad thing. Imam Ghazali, may Allah Ta'ala forever be pleased with him, talked about that don't deny your emotions, don't ignore your emotions. Your emotions are literally ambassadors Right? And to them, I'm going to call it the queen. He called it the king, but you know, we're going to call it the queen. <laughs> so the queen, which is the soul, they are in the, the emotions inform the mind about the condition of the soul. Right? The emotions inform the mind about the condition of the soul. So when we begin to all of a sudden, like, you know, someone cut me off in traffic, and I'm like, Instead of, you know, outside of Ramadan, I got a bunch of bad words, right? Inside of Ramadan, I'm like, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe it. <laughs> Why is he? God, he didn't see me. Right. Oh, Allah guide him. Subhanallah. <laughs> All of a sudden, right? It's consistent, I'm telling you. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Right? You know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, that heart has become softened. 
you're just, you know, you're not able to even, you don't even have the energy to muster up all of that rah, rah, rah that you somehow were. You can't even, your brain can't even function to put all the words together. <laughs> right? Well, alhamdulillah, that Allah Ta'ala is literally just breaking down all, because what is the heart ultimately? Allah Ta'ala reminds us, right, that none shall benefit except the one who comes to us with a sound heart. Right? That what Allah Ta'ala is saying, let's break down all of these things that are keeping you from me. That are keeping you from being connected to me. All that we need to please cut down on that, cut down on this, cut down. So I'm, I mean, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to you and you can't hear me. Throughout the year, you're like, I don't know what Allah wants me to do. I can't figure it out. I can't make a decision. I don't know if he's angry with me or Allah's pleased with me. I don't know. Because we can't hear Allah. Right? We can't hear him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, shut it down. Shut down the noise. Shut down the background. Shut down the, the constant connection with other people. And have a conversation with me. Right? There are some things I've been trying to tell you for a while. But you weren't listening. You was like, this minute, I'm doing nothing. I don't know who you was talking to. <laughs> <laughs> to him. And so I'm just saying to us to remind us, are we reaching the goal? Now, I'm going to make this a little bit personal. Inshallah. Say bye-bye to our girl for a minute. She'll be back. She's going to prank me on Layla. Right? We're going to call Layla. It's Layla. We're going to call Layla. Right, Layla? Okay. In Surah Tahrim, ayat 11. Pull it up on your phone. In Surah Tahrim, ayat 11. Or if you brought the Quran with you, how you can't do it? How you can't get Qiyam? You didn't bring the Quran. <laughs> so we talked about this ayat. How many of you came earlier? Just a few of you? Okay. I won't go through the full details, inshallah, of this story because we went through it earlier. I just want to mention her story. Oh, wait. I didn't tell you. Hold on. Stop. Just hold, just hold on to that ayah. So inside of fasting, prayer, 
Quran, which is reading, reciting, and listening. And then charity, one far, one sunnah, zakat al-fitr, as well as uh, just giving sadaqahs. We know that the one is sadaqah and one is zakat. Sadaqah from tasdiq, which means sincerity, which literally is about are you it's sincerity and to be truthful, right? And this is going to come up in just a moment, whether or not you are, we are truthful. We're saying we believe in Allah, we we, you know, know that our wealth would never decrease at this moment. What Allah Ta'ala is saying, put your money where your mouth is. Right? If you are truthful in that, these are the actions that you do. You become generous. So, charity. And then, service. Right? Serving others. These are the things that we become connected to. So, in fasting, fasting takes on the spiritual quality. Remember, I said there are five physical things that lead to seven spiritual qualities. Or maybe they're one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the spiritual qualities. So number one in fasting, the first thing is, is the eradication of fear. Right? The eradication of fear. Meaning that when you basically from those you know, I'm going to die, I'm going to never make it, the days are long, it's hot, I have this thing on my head, I can't hear properly. <laughs> you know, all kind of things. I, I don't know if I can make it through fast. I'm not sure I can do it. Right? I'm not sure. Because I don't know. When I'm, I, I don't know. Somehow it's keeping me from, it's absorbing all of my body, the water. <laughs> right? We just out of fear. I'm serious. I'm I'm joking with you, but we come up with like some very because the, the nature of fear is that it's not rational, right? The nature of fear is not rational. So we come up with all kinds of things. I'm telling you, all kinds of stuff. We will come up with some like really some things that if we were to sit down and think about it, we would bust out laughing to ourselves, right? Like, did I really think that? And so fasting is that eradication of fear. And subhanAllah constantly in the Quran when Allah talks about the, the true believers, about those who are steadfast, about the awliya, meaning those who are true to their covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says two things about them. On, this sh on them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. Right? On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. So the eradication of fear. Fear of what, though? Fear of what? Fear of dunya, right? Fear, like basically, um, in, in when we we are connected to fears that are earthly, that are worldly, and Allah Taala is saying, I want you to graduate from being so afraid of the dunya and be concerned about me, right? And so, because ultimately, that's part of what taqwa is, right? And so the eradication of fear, the gaining of taqwa, the tawakkul, is reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Learning to say, when you can give up your fear and say, Ya Allah, I absolutely have no idea how I'm going to get through it. Right? I went to Canada 
And so, just to tell you, you know, of course, in, in Ramadan, a lot of women, we, we want to have qiyam, we want to gather. And so, alhamdulillah, shukrillah, I've been invited to a lot of different places. So, I was in Canada, in Edmonton, in Calgary, in a place called Saskatoon. You heard of Saskatoon? MashaAllah. What you say? I thought I would never find another person. Right? Allah bless you. Allah your father proclaim. From Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Right? Canada. And subhanAllah, literally, the fasting was until like 9.20. Like 9.20, 9.30. Might have been a little later. Right? And that's two hours, two more than two hours from my house. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to be, I was like, I don't know, you know, making up days outside of Ramadan. Anybody else have difficulty making up days outside of Ramadan? <laughs> making up days outside of Ramadan. So I was like, no, I just need to, I just need to, because the thought of like trying to make it up and, you know, I was like, mm -mm, this is going to be rough. And it's always something, always something comes up. You make the intention, okay, I'm sure I'm going to fast, and something comes up. So I was like, no, we're just going to bismillah. We're going to bismillah. Right? So I'm thinking, it's okay, you know, I'm already thinking that two hours, right, that it's, I'm going back in time. So I'm thinking two hours. So I, initially I was like, you know what, that's okay. I'll sleep on the plane, and I'll miss like four. <laughs> And then I get there, because I'm thinking, well, if they're, you know, subhanAllah, they're up north. I don't know what I was thinking. That tells you how much I know about geography and time. But I was like, their fast is probably going to be a little bit earlier. Right? I get there. They tell me their fast is at 940. I like to die. <laughs> but I wanted to faint. Like, what? I was having one of those moments like, can you say that again? <laughs> and then they begin to tell me like, yeah, mashallah, this is so merciful because last year we fasted till 10.30. I literally was like, y'all need to move. <laughs> But you know, I, I literally I started to come up with like all oh, rush. I might fake. I don't know if I'm gonna talk to them. I'm not gonna be able to speak properly. Um, you know, I of course all the thick rulings that I've ever been taught. Like you got dispensation. You don't have to fast. <laughs> of course, I was pulling them out. Like you got dispensation. All of my nuffs begin to speak to me in a way I don't even want to admit. Right? My nuffs started like whipping them out like cards. Right? Dispensation, Allah is merciful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Allah never wants hardship upon the believer. I had them ready. Okay? I had my spiritual bypass cards ready. And then I said, I'll stop for a while. Because was I saying that out of taqwa? Was I saying, was I giving myself all these excuses? They sounded great. Sounded like some ahadith. They sound, it sounded great. Right? Allah is merciful. Allah is forgiving. He doesn't want hardship with the believers. This deed is easy. Right? All these things. And then I said, are you telling me?
telling the truth. Yes, Allah is merciful. But is that why you're not fasting? Hey, yes, Allah is kind. Yes, He wants mercy. But is that why you don't want to fast? Hey, like, do you have taqwa at this moment? Or are you scared? Right? Of the fast. Scared of the hours. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, skirt. <laughs> scared. Scared. And so, Allah, I asked, I was like, so how long? I was like, well, how long y'all been living here? <laughs> like, the Muslims have been here since 1750. It was like, oh, God. <laughs> so, has it always been this way, or just did global warming shift the earth? You know, they're like, no, it's been, you know. And I was like, wow, subhanAllah, you're right. You've been doing this. Like, you've been doing this. So then I had to say, Aisha, come on, girl, get your game face on. Right? If they can do it, you can do it. Like, come on, trust in Allah. Allah's got you. What three? You gonna, you gonna starve to death in three hours? You <laughs> gonna shrivel up and die in three hours? 155 pounds in three hours? Come on. So we just have to tell the truth. Like, we tell ourselves all kinds. Fear will cause us to develop some sincere machinations and we're spiritually bypassing, Right? We are making, we are coming up with all the religious excuses. We are excusing ourselves out of the goal. Mm -hmm. So in the end, I feel proud. I did. (laughs) Don't laugh. It's some little kids who was doing that. It was some seven-year-olds. I was like, I'm fasting, Sister Aisha. They've been doing that for like uh, literally thousands of years, and I'm just feeling proud of myself for nothing, right? But the bottom line is toakul, right? Learning to throw off fear and to really trust in Allah. And as you just, you know, I'm giving you my personal journey, um, just to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm being real with you guys, right? That this is actually transformation. This is transcending form, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying you're greater than form. You're not a physical being with a spirit. You're a spiritual being having a physical experience, right? This, is, this dunya is not your home. You didn't come from here. Don't get it twisted. You're better than this, Right? And these are the tools that you just need to gain so that you can get back home. And so subhanAllah, this is this transformation, this what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing by taking these physical actions and turning and allowing them to allow us to transcend, right? To rise above our lowly states, our lowly thinking, to literally begin to um What's called, I don't want to say the wrong word, this is in New York City, to struggle against your nafs, <laughs> right? To struggle against your lower self, to struggle against your lower ego, to struggle against laziness and the excuses that we give. 
All of these are the rising of consciousness, which ultimately, when we talk about taqwa, when we, and then it's translated as guide consciousness, it's to rise above, right, this physical reality and to see it from a higher perspective, to take on a higher perspective. And so, subhanAllah, it's the eradication of fear, the development of tawakkum, which then, of course, taqwa, then there is the spiritual cleansing of the heart, which is the ultimate reality. By how are you spiritually clean, clean, cleaning the heart? You're doing it by communicating with Allah. Communicating with Allah using the language of the Qur'an, which is not of this world. Using the language of the Qur'an that is not from this dunya. Right? With higher realities that are not from this dunya. And then the fasting should develop in us an empathy. Right? It should develop in us empathy. And empathy, or initially, actually, I'm doing it in reverse, empathy and compassion. Initially, we have compassion. Right? Initially, we're like, wow, I can, you know, that must be difficult. That at least I can count down to the hours and the minutes when my next meal is coming from, when my next drink of water is coming, I can count that down. Where people who are starving actually can't count down, right, to when they know, when they're going to get not just water, but clean water, right? And no, yes, I'm talking about um, Yemen. Yes, I'm talking about the refugees in Syria and the situation in Somalia and the situation in Iraq, how they have polluted the water with uranium. And yes, and, and from leftover missiles and leftover bombs. And yes, I'm talking about the situation in Afghanistan. But yes, I'm also talking about Flint, Michigan. And I'm talking about our Native American folks in, on the South Dakota pipeline. And yes, I'm talking about New Orleans. And yes, I'm talking about Texas and the south side of Chicago. And yes, I'm talking about places displaced in Harlem and in D.C., right? that when are we going to have some kind of compassion that moves us into empathy? Compassion is I feel you. Empathy is I'm going to actually do something about it. Right? And so these are these, what this does, and inshallah, that translates into service. So talking about charity and service in another way is to take, to transform time. We talked about time in the beginning, right? To take the, the minutes, the seconds and the minutes and the days and the weeks and the months of our lives and to take that and to transform it into actually being a benefit to someone else, right? That that becomes, I take what, what also becomes, because how I earn my money, right, is basically a manifestation of how I spent my time. How I spent my time. So then I have that manifestation of that currency, right, that nuku, that... Dollar bills, right? Benjamins in my hand, right? And then, of course, naturally, I want to do what? I want to hold on to it, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us, let that go, right? To teach us not to put the dunya in my hands and never in my heart. If it's in my heart, I want to hold it. I don't never want to share it, right? But if it's in my hand, I can give it easy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us to transform how we spend our time 
and that physical manifestation of it, that tangible manifestation of it, and to transform that into help and assistance in brotherhood and sisterhood. Right? And so these are all the ways that when we have to ask ourselves, did we reach the goal? If we stop here, we're in trouble. If we only gain hunger, if I only gain swollen ankles, right? If I just like recited a whole bunch of syllables, I didn't reflect on its meaning, it didn't reach my heart, we haven't reached the goal. There's a difference between reciting Quran and communicating with Allah. Right? There's a difference between listening to the Quran and listening to Allah. There's a difference. Okay, what time are we at? One nineteen. One nineteen. Oh my goodness. Y'all all right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened, but I saw y'all and got excited, so I'm like, I, we have a lot to cover. <laughs> Inshallah, my blessings to get there. All right. That is real. Okay. So she said something that is super important, and now I re realize how I got, like, what helped me get some energy. Just remember that. So what is important, because what's a reality of fasting, is like you start off like, yes, right? And like day seven, you're like, whoa. <laughs> Number one, to take vitamins, right? To take vitamins, some little nuts hot. To take vitamins at iftar time and at suhoor, right? That, that helps. If you take vitamins that, of course, um, staying hydrated. Of course, staying hydrated. So yes. All right. What are some other things that people are doing? That's real. Making oh wait. Making bigger du'a. I want to talk about that for a quick minute. I'm coming in the cute T-shirt that I want in the cute hoodie. Um, right? It's an NYU hoodie. Make sure you guys get one. So another thing that they're saying in terms of a nuts hat, hat, is that Subhanallah. When you have those moments of like. I'm sure we, you've all had it at some point, usually happens somewhere at about 3 a.m. You've set your clock, you're going to get up, you're going to pray, you're going to eat your suhoor. And then you, like, you, hit, you look at the clock, you hit it, five minutes later it goes off again, you're annoyed. And subhanAllah, one of the things I, I want you to say in that moment is make istighfar. Right? Sing astaghfirullah. Because one of the things that actually weighs down the body heavy is our sins, is our sayyid. And so to ask Allah, Oh Allah, Anta al-Ghafur rahim You're the forgiving and the merciful. Please give me the strength at this moment, right, to worship you. Give me the strength at this moment to, to get up. And oh Allah, please protect me from the sins that are weighing me down. Right? Protect me from the sins that are weighing me down. So that dua and that dhikr, call on Allah's name, I promise you, subhanAllah, I promise you, He will help you. Absolutely. So I want to tell you something about that she just said. Did everybody hear what she said? She said, helping others. That by helping others, a lot of times, just like tonight, right? Like if you come and you bring somebody tea, or you bring them fruit, or you came to volunteer at NYU, or you go to the masjid and you help out, you start to feel good, right? You start to feel that, you know, community spirit. You start to just, you know, you start the focus on yourself. 
This is also a way by which some of your sins are forgiven by helping others. So then it kind of motivates you and gives you a little bit of strength. Now, I want to give you, I want to be so real with you guys. You ready? MashaAllah, some of you have this down. Some of us don't so much. What do I mean? Serve someone you don't normally serve. Why? When you serve it, because most of you are serving people at home. Well, somehow you sick of them. Right? He's like, oh, I'm making this dinner. They don't appreciate it. Right? I'm making a slave in this kitchen. And all they do is eat. They barely go and wash the dishes. So how about, for some reason, they are a part, mind you, they are a part of the community too. Just want to remind you. They are from the Ummah too. But for some reason, when it comes to them, that we see every day, we are not so excited. Unless you are a newlywed. <laughs> and then you're like, I made a time for you. <laughs> then you're like, Salamayka. <laughs> it's so time. <laughs> Come see me after three years. Allah help us. Allah help us. Maintain sweetness. Y'all help us. Allah help us. So, yes, I'm joking, but you know I'm telling the truth, right? <laughs> so, you know, serve people that, so you can regain that spirit again. So you can regain the heart of wanting to serve, inshallah. I promise you, you'll return back to your, either, you'll return back to your family in either one or two ways. Either you'll return back to them with kind of a renewed energy, right? And you'll be happy to serve them. Or you will return back to them like, wow, I really need to check myself. That I'm nicer to the people outside than I am to the inside. So one or two things are happening, right? But either way, put a smile on your face, either way. Happy or not. Here's the thing, seriously, when you're serving and you don't necessarily have a happy heart about it, this is what I want to tell you. Number one, it's a law you're dealing with. Right? It's not them. Because if you're truly doing it for Allah, and that's where the test of like doing it consistently, when you're really doing it for Allah, how will you behave then? Right? It's this. It's the, the service you're sending to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So how do you want it to look on your Qiyamah? I always think about you know on your Qiyamah when they. I just I have like this vision in my mind when it, it'll flash across the screen, right? And I don't. I, I just. I, I don't want this. I don't. I don't know. Like the thought of standing in front of Allah and I'm like got the mad face with my husband or like I'm fussing at my kids it makes me like no I can't no no please 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 right just have something that is a visual for you or something that kind of puts you in check right and remember this there are millions of women millions who would love to be in your place okay and I know that's like what you mean? I know, it's just as treacherous. <laughs> no. But there are women who would love to be in your place, who would love to have a family, right? Who would love to have a family. So, be grateful. Oh, that's another thing, sorry. That was the other point of transformation that Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran about fasting. That perchance you might be grateful. Perchance you might be grateful. Yes. Journaling. There are two types of journaling that I advise in Ramadan. One is called like mind dumping, morning 
clutter, right? You just get up in the morning and you just like, whatever comes to your mind, you're not thinking about it, you just writing, 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 just get it out of your head. That way you get what's in your head onto it. Don't read it immediately. Don't read it. Right? Don't. You can read it like six months, a year later. Don't read it immediately. Right? Just dump out whatever's in your mind. Just dump it on the paper, on the pages. And then there is one that's more, that's more focused. Um, and that is you can do grateful journals. Right? Or you can just kind of chart how your day was that day. Kind of do more of a muraqaba, like a self-watching. I highly recommend, both of them are great. You can switch up, you get tired of one, do one for gratitude and one for self-watching. Okay, what if they're in, if you're in school and they're playing music? Should you just tell them to stop or play music? So, I mean, stop or, or don't, don't care. care. Or don't care. If you can find somewhere else to go, you know, let them do them and you can go off somewhere else. Um, are you in a Muslim school? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, so have a line. The public school would be best just to find somewhere else that you could be to yourself. Um, and, you know, and, and try to try to get away from it, inshallah. Plan barakah. I do believe in planning. Do believe in planning. And if you're a person like me, we're like, you plan and then, you know, if you're anything ADHD like me, then you're like wandering over here. And you're like, oh wow, four days have passed. Right? It does, what it does is give you a chance to come back. Right? It gives you something that you don't stay wandering. You actually have something to put you back on track. I think this is just probably one of those who like super organized, mashallah. And so that just like, you know, keeps you like boom, boom, boom. Sadly, I work from a different side of my brain, so yeah, pray for me. But it does, either way, it helps. So there are two things that she said that I want to point out in that. Number one is that she said have an accountability partner, right? Somebody that you can check in with. You've all got sister friends that you're like, you know what I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm calling. Call me, call me for Fajr, call, make sure I'm up, or come serve with me, I'm going to NYU tonight, you know, can you go with me? So just having that companionship really helps, subhanAllah. The other thing is, is that dhikr, right? Making constant dhikr of Allah. Absolutely, I can't tell you this works wonders. Okay, I have to move on, please forgive me, inshallah, we can share a lot more of them later, or share them with each other. But I don't want to um, miss out on, on, on this because, of course, Shahr Ramadan is the month of it, Ramadan is the month of the Quran, and there are some specific things I want to, inshallah, discuss. All right, so go to Surah Al-Tahrim, Ayah 11. وَضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا امْرَأَةَ فِرْعَوْنَ إِذْ قَالَتْ رَبِّ ابْنِ لِي عِنْدَكَ بَيْتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَنَجِّنِي مِنْ فِرْعَوْنَ وَعَمَلِهِ وَنَجِّنِي مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ وَمَرْيَمَ ابْنَةَ عِمْرَانَ الَّتِي أَحْصَنَتْ فَرْجَهَا I want to point out a couple of points in this particular verse. Oh, oh wait, I need somebody to read the English, sorry. 
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And Allah cited an example. Allah puts forth an example for those who believe in the wife of Pharaoh. When she said, My Lord, build for me a home with thee in Jannah, and deliver me from Pharaoh and his work, and deliver me from the evil doing people. And Mary, daughter of Imran, whose body was chased, therefore we breathe there in something of our spirit. And she put faith in the words of her Lord and his scriptures, and, and was of the obedient. I want to um, actually, I actually want to go over a couple of things. I won't go too far into the story of, of Asiya, uh, only because we did that a little bit earlier, subhanAllah. But in the story of Queen Asiya, what we know is that, subhanAllah, she has this stance of incredible, incredible yaqeen, this stance of incredible faith, uh, where she, she basically not only stands up to Pharaoh, but she pays the ultimate price for it. Right? That we know, subhanAllah, there are two things about Medi about Asia. There are two things about Asia that happen, subhanAllah, in two phases. Number one, we find that in the beginning of her in the beginning of how she enters into our lives. Can you hear me? Yeah. In the beginning of how she enters into our lives is that the it's it's like this meeting between two great women of the Quran. And this meeting between the two great women of the Quran, one of them being the mother of Musa. And I want to spend some time inshallah because these women of the Quran are actually you. So in the mother of Musa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically says that he inspired her. Like Allah ta'ala says that he, that Allah ta'ala inspired her. And it's very significant, inshallah, we have to come back for another class, inshallah, to go into the details of this. We don't have enough time for what, the fact that why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use with her the same term wahi, Right, that is for revelation that he gives for the mother of Musa. And Allah Ta'ala says, I like I inspired her basically and to tell and told her to um to nurse the baby, to, to nurse baby Musa, and then to put him into the water. And then Allah Ta'ala says that had we not strengthened her, like Allah Ta'ala said, had we not strengthened her. She would have, like, she would have told, she would have given up, right? She would not have been able to handle putting her baby in, in this basket, in this water. And then, subhanAllah, after she does it, she's like, she falls back and she's like, her heart is fada, her heart is empty. She's, she's just completely fallen on the trust of Allah Ta'ala. And then, subhanAllah, Allah says to her that he delivers, she sends the daughter to track, to basically follow the baby. And as she sends her daughter to follow the baby, her daughter rushes back and gives her mother news. And she says, oh mama, he has been picked up by the home, basically by those of the, the, the people of the home of Pharaoh, right? And so, subhanAllah, of course, in this moment, of where the mother of Musa feels like I have been inspired by Allah to nurse my child, 
drop him into the water, which is the complete opposite of what any mother would ever do, right? Bring him close to her. If you ever know women who are going to give up their child for adoption or give up their child in any way, they, they actually don't either want to see the baby or hold the baby, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells her to do the opposite. He tells her to nurse the baby and then to put him in the water, to send him up the river. And of course, initially, and this is the, one of the definitions of yaqeen, and that she becomes tested in this moment, is that she puts him in the, in the basket, and then she finds out that he's been picked up, right, by one of the, the people of the home of Pharaoh, right? And so this looks horrible. This looks like, you know, of course, in her mind, like, what have I done? What have I done like, how am I going to even, ever even explain it to everyone? They probably would think that I'm absolutely mad. That I would say, Allah inspired me to put my child inside this basket in the river. And now he's ended up at the exact place that I didn't want him to be. Right? The exact, he, he ends up in the exact place that I was trying to save him from. Right? And so, subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala, and I'm, I'm, for the sake of time, please forgive me, inshallah. But I do encourage you to go back and to read all of this entire story in the Qur'an. But there are some specific things that begin to happen in, this, uh, in these ayat. The first thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells him, and surah, then tells her uh, that I'm going to bring him up, right, under my eye. Right? That Allah ta'ala is saying, I'm going to raise him up under my eye. And so, subhanAllah, what, what happens is that the, the um, servants in the household spot the, spot the basket. And Queen Asiya sees the basket. And so she tells the women, bring that to me. Bring that box to me. Right? And so she, you know, she brings the, the box and she opens it. And of course, to her surprise, there is this child inside the box. This actually um, known to be a very beautiful boy. It said that Musa was very beautiful. And so subhanAllah, what's amazing that's happening in this moment is that this literally goes from one woman who has a deep trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to another woman who has another deep trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in this faith of sisterhood that they don't even know that they're sharing between them Allah Ta'ala is answering their du'as both of their du'as at the same time. How is he answering both of their du'as at the same time? Because in reality what happens when Queen Asiya takes Prophet Musa, baby Musa alayhi salam it's known that Asiya actually didn't have children. Love. That she didn't have children with Pharaoh. And so when she takes the baby and she presents the child to Pharaoh, she says to him, let us keep him. Perchance he may be of benefit or a son for us. Right? And so Pharaoh, seeing this in her face, agrees. Right? He agrees to keep baby Musa. And then what happens as a result, her heart... Right? Is put at some level of ease as a result of it. And so she immediately, the compassion of her heart immediately begins to seek out a nursemaid for this baby. 
right? And so she takes the baby from nursemaid to nursemaid, and none of them will accept. None of the baby Musa will not accept the milk from any of these women. Right? And it just so happened that Musa's sister works in the home of Pharaoh. So Musa's sister says, What? Well, I know a woman who's actually a nursemaid. Let's try her. I could, you know, I could bring her and we could see if 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 the baby would take from her. Right? Who is she going to get? Her mother. She's going to get Musa's mother. And why is Musa now attached to this particular milk, this particular smell of this woman? Because she nursed him first, right? SubhanAllah, because she listened to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so there are some huge lessons as it relates to, to this sisterhood between these two women. <coughs> that literally in this moment, that Allah is answering because by bringing him in the, hand, in the home of Pharaoh, Allah ta'ala is literally giving him an upbringing and a raising that she could never give him, right? Which is what every mother wants. Every mother wants to be able to, for her child to have the best, right? Have the best home, have the best education, right? To, to, to basically to have the, the best life. And the mother of Musa is known to be pretty much a poor woman. She's not able to do that, right? She's actually one of the, what we, they would call at that time, one of the lower class from the Hebrew Israelite. So, so I'm alone. That she, what happens is Allah says, don't worry, I've got him. So yaqeen in this moment is despite how it looks, despite what this dunya, it looks like it's going to be bleak. It looks like Allah is not answering my dua. I prayed istikhara. I thought that, and, and let's, let's go back for a minute. In this understanding of when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, awhaynaha, that I inspired her, and the fact that Allah Ta'ala is using the term wahi, because remember, this book is not book of man, right? And we would have used a different verse for this. For Allah Ta'ala to say, that I inspired her, while using the term wahi, what Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is telling us in, in huge, what he's saying to you women, Oh, you women who are seeking the Qur'an in this month, you women who are opening up your hearts to the meaning of the Qur'an, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that there is a difference between there are anbiya, there are prophets, and there are people who have the maqam and the station of prophets. So don't be so concerned with titles, be concerned with assignment, right? That we are so concerned with, are there any male prophets? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us boldly in the Qur'an, I gave her revelation directly. I spoke to her directly. I didn't send the angel Jibra'il. I spoke to her directly. SubhanAllah, right? <laughs> right? That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. I spoke to her directly. Without giving her the burden, right? Without giving her the burden of prophecy. Without having to lead an entire community and go through all of that, I have a relationship with an ordinary woman. Not just women of high status. Not just women who, you know, their father had to be the great sheikh of the great sheikh of the great mufti of the great whatever, right? From the family of Yali, right? From the family of on high, right? But a woman who's like everyday woman that you see every day, blue-collar worker, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I talk to her too. Right? I talk to her too. 
I answer her blah. I'm speaking to her directly. I'm with her in every, in the quiet moments when she is most afraid. Mothers are most afraid about what will happen to their children. And at this time, there is, there is a, 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 what, a call on the head of Musa, of baby Musa. Pharaoh has asked for all the babies of that time, of that generation, to be killed. So she's seeking a way. How am I going to hide him out? Right? She's most concerned. Like they're going to, they're going to. Literally, Pharaoh initially told the midwives to murder the babies. That was the first thing. The first order was he told the midwives, any male child born, you kill the child immediately. Now the interesting thing is, of course, the midwives were women. <laughs> It's just not in our nature. It's just not in our nature. When you see the miracle of that child being brought into the world, to then take its life, nah. You can take mine first. Right? And you can catch me if you can. But generally, and because the midwives disobeyed him, that's when he began to send out his soldiers. Right? He was like, the, more, the women aren't listening to me. They're not killing the babies. I keep seeing them popping up. Right? You <laughs> see <laughs> These babies all around, even at my own front door. My wife is killing these babies. And, and so, subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala answers the dua of the mother of Musa in the most beautiful way. But he's not just answering her dua. He's also answering your dua. You're wondering, I'm making dua. Y'all don't be, are you listening to me? Y'all don't be, am I special enough? Ya Rabbi, do I have what it takes, you know, for you to listen to me? I'm nobody special. I don't have any special status. I don't, I haven't studied in some great place with some great people. Ya Allah, what about me? Right? And Allah Ta'ala is telling you, I have a relationship with you. I have a relationship with you, with you, with you, with you, with you, with you, all of you. Why are you listening? And when I talk to you, do you trust? Right? Do you trust? Right? SubhanAllah. And then SubhanAllah, by that he answers the dua of our Queen Asiya. And in answering the dua of our Queen Asiya by the compassion of her heart and by her trust, literally, what does she do? She could have been like, Queen Asiya is bad. She could have been like, okay, y'all, hide this baby. <laughs> right? She could have been like, let's hide the baby. Let's hide him out. Let's find a way. She was like, I'm going to him directly. <laughs> right? Because I'm not, you know, she's not that kind of, what we find in her from the beginning of her story to the end. This is the woman who's like, I'm not going around the mulberry bush I'm going to confront him directly. Why? Because he's not my Lord and I'm not concerned with him. That Allah Ta'ala, when Allah Ta'ala determines if this child is going to live or die, and I'm trusting in that. Right? He could have killed her. He could have been like, you know the order I have. I've already given an order for this. Right? You know I've already made this commandment, and you bring this to me? You, you like openly defying me, and you telling me you want me to raise this child in my house. For everyone to know how you disobeyed me. Mm -hmm. Right? And she's like, mm-hmm. 
right? <laughs> I brought you a baby. Right? SubhanAllah. What is the heart of Queen Asiya? And so, SubhanAllah, we know that baby Musa grows up to be the great Musa. And Queen Asiya is one of the first to believe in him. Right? She's one of the first to accept the message. And she ultimately does suffer the ultimate price. But look at the son she raised. Look at the son she raised. Look at her station. Her station in Jannah is set. Her station in Jannah is set. There are 124,000 prophets. And only 25 of them are mentioned in the Quran. Right? Asiya wasn't even a prophet. And she's mentioned in the Quran. What do you want? You want title? Or you want or you want rank with Allah? Okay. And so the first thing is Allah Ta'ala says that Allah sets, sets forth an example in the mother of Musa. I want to point out a really quick point in the beginning that I love, like I could literally dance about the, the terminology Allah Ta'ala uses. He starts off this verse. Daraba methanen. What's daraba? How do we normally translate daraba? How is daraba sadly translated many times in Surah Nisa? To hit. It's normally translated as to hit. Is Allah Ta'ala saying that he hit Asiya? No, he's not. So when we use this in Surah Nisa, as a translation for what Allah Ta'ala is telling about the women, the women in this case, this is not hit. And there's multiple, you can use the Quran to define the Quran. This term is also used in other ayat of the Quran and it's actually not translated as hit. So how is it that we got to sit to this chapter on the women and all of a sudden now it's hit them. Beat them lightly. Beat them with a miswag. <laughs> I need you to become scholars of the Quran. I need you to translate texts. It's important. It's important. We need your perspective. It's important. Right? It's important. I won't go into too much detail about that. That will take us into a whole other lecture, obviously. <laughs> Right, she's like, when is that lecture? <laughs> you have to ask sister. <laughs> inshallah. Soon, inshallah. So, we talked about two women so far. Both having yaqeen. Both having certainty despite what it looks like. And then Allah Ta'ala does what? He answers their du'a for them even beyond what they imagined it would be. He answers their du'a for them even beyond what they could have dreamt of. Most average women would not believe that my, my son is going to be raised in the White House. Right? And he's going to come out righteous. <laughs> right? He's got to get the best education. He's got to get the best food. SubhanAllah, he's going to get the best doctors, the best care, and he's going to turn out righteous in the end. After living in the White House. Right? La ilaha illallah. 
I say, raise your hand if you are an immigrant mother. Raise your hand if you're an immigrant mother. None? Not one? Meaning you came from somewhere else, you migrated here, and you're a mother. Not one? Okay, I'm good enough. Yeah. How many of you, most people thought, right, but I'm saying most people thought, oh my goodness, how are my children going to turn out righteous in America? Right? Like, how is that going to happen? <laughs> they didn't know you being NYU. <laughs> right? So, I'm a law. Law was funny with something. Okay. Quickly, in the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Maryam. I want to give a quick version of the story of Maryam. Yeah, okay, we're good. I want to give the quick version of the story of Maryam. So, Maryam actually was a, um, basically she was the daughter of a great teacher, basically of a great chef. And long story short, he was a chef in what was called in the temple of Suleiman. After Suleiman, this became like a big religious seminary, a big institution of religious learning. And there were no girls allowed in the seminary, right? And so, long story short, her father passed away while her mother was still pregnant with her. And when her father passed away, the mother dedicated, she made the dua, the famous dua that Allah Ta'ala recorded in the Qur'an. So again, here's another woman, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is recording her dua in the Qur'an. Showing us how because of the dua of this woman, what, how these women transform, right? Transform generations. Transform the world to the end of time. Maryam's mother makes a dua, and from this dua, she says, Oh Allah, I dedicate that which is in my womb to your service. She makes this promise to Allah. She gives birth to a female child, and she says, Ya Allah, I've given birth to a female child. Why did she say that? Was it because she had internalized sexism? No. <laughs> Right? It was because she knew that at that time women could not study in the religious seminary, that they were not allowed to be in service in the religious seminary. So when she said that, she was like, How could I now? I've dedicated this child, I made this promise, but how am I going to be able to fulfill it? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells her, Right? I know full well what you gave birth to. <laughs> right? I know full well what you gave birth to. And the, and the female, the male, is not like the female. Allah makes a distinction, right? The male is not like the female. Why is that? Who knows? The woman, when she is a baby, she is born with her entire lineage inside of her womb. She is all of her egg, the entire, entire lineage is inside of her womb. Oh, if we could have a class on how important that is. <laughs> on how important your spirituality is. Mm-hmm. On how important your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And the effect it will have on your lineage. So, Yomu Qiyamah. Right? SubhanAllah. There's a, a big thing about your. The, your heart being the moon. And the moon is the reflection of the sun, right? And subhanAllah, the moon has effect over the tide. You following me? Yes. 
So your heart being the reflection of the nu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, causing the tide, the rise and fall of the water in the womb, affecting the creatures on the earth. You following me? Hmm. How important your heart reflects the nur of Allah has big importance on the effect of the lives of the human beings and their behavior who walk upon the earth. Whether you are a mother or you are just menstruating. And that's a whole other <laughs> time. You want to know more about that? I know, but no. <laughs> She's like, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. No, no. We got to finish. <laughs> I got your attention. I just want you to know. You are important. It matters. Everything that happens inside your body is a meeting between the heaven and the earth. Everything that happens inside your body as women is a meeting between heaven and the earth. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down the angels, right, to write down what will be the qadr of the child, right, what will be the, 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 the provisions of that child, whether or not that child will be Imam Mahdi or the leader of the Fortune 500 company or whether, Fortune 500, sorry, or whether or not it will be Imam Khalid or whether or not that this child, the angels come where? to the womb of the woman. You think this is the first time, the only time the angels come? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Maryam in the Quran, He gives some very distinct words about her. Number one, He says she's from the Qanitin. The, the ayat ends when she's from the Qanitat, that she's from those who are devoutly obedient. You heard that one before? Women are devoutly obedient. Where did you hear it? Right. It says that they were devoutly obedient to their husbands. Well, that's funny because Maryam wasn't married. Right? And yet it's the same word. And yet it is the same word. To have devout obedience. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, devout obedience to whom? Devout obedience to Allah. If, if, if a woman has devout obedience to Allah, the husband ain't got nothing to worry about. He got nothing to worry about. She has devout obedience to Allah, bro, you're going to be straight. <laughs> you just need to make sure you have devout obedience to Allah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go home fired up. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Don't go home fired up. My little sister Aisha. Don't get your Wi-Fi shut off. <laughs> I'm teasing you. How many of them? Just don't mention my name. When you go get that. When you like, I know y'all like, oh, wait till the chutbah I give today in the kitchen. <laughs> so 
tell you right now, don't do it. <laughs> and the last time you go to the NYU, <laughs> those liberal women, <laughs> oh my hell. All right, let's go back to Medium for a moment. All right, in the story of Medium, I see you, Habibti, just let me get through Medium, Sean. All right, in the story of Medium, her mother dedicates what is in her womb in the service of Allah. Allah tells her, I know full well what you gave birth to. And so, subhanAllah, when Allah Ta'ala, did you hear what I said? Allah is talking to her. Allah is talking to her. She's talking to Allah, and Allah is answering her back. Right? Let me it. There are women who are greater than Iman. There are women who are Sada. There are women who are Shayukh. There are women who were Qadis. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala an was more than a mufti in the Khalifa of Abu Bakr wa Umar. You were Imams down here. What mufti is like about 12 levels. You're worried about the wrong thing. These people standing in the front are not the leaders. The power is in the people. So her mother takes baby Maryam to the gates of the temple of Suleiman. She takes Maryam to the temple of Suleiman as a baby. And the people are like, what are you doing? Right? You know that your husband, her father, was our great teacher. What are you doing? You know we don't accept girls and we don't accept babies. Right? And so they said, and so she refuses. She holds a small protest. Right? She's like, you're going to accept this child. You're going to change the rules. Right? And they're like, okay, to keep her quiet because she's making noise. She's staging a protest. And they know her husband was somebody of great influence. Her husband was their teacher. So to keep her, like, quiet, she tells, okay, okay, take her back home. When she gets a little bit older, come back. And we'll discuss it. Right? So Maryam gets about 11 or 12 years old. She's about 12 years old. And what does she do? She comes back on her own. Yeah. Right? And so they tell her, you, there are no girls allowed in the Islam, in the religious seminary. There are no girls allowed here. What does she do? She stages a small protest. Her mother has raised her, right? That I also have the ability to serve Allah. That if Allah can speak to, if, uh, if Allah Ta'ala could speak and inspire my mother, who am I not to be, who am I not allowed, who am I not to be allowed to study his deen? Right? So she stages a small protest. She keeps showing up at the gates, making problems. The people are noticing. So they're like, okay, look, she won't stand. She's embarrassing us. Right? And so then the teachers come together and her uncle Zachariah is one of them and they decide to draw lots for who's going to take care of her. There are some scholars who say that there were, there were some of them who had good intention, meaning that because she was the daughter of their great teacher, that they wanted to take care of her. And there are some who were like, we just want to keep an eye on her to make sure, right, that she doesn't, right, cause more trouble. And so, subhanAllah, 12 times Zechariah's name is chosen, right? 12 times. Why? Because that's her uncle, and he's got her back. And so, subhanAllah, but literally what they say is she's a girl. We can't just let her. She can't just roam all over. 
the the university. So they said, we'll build her a small room. Alhamdulillah wa shukrillah, I got to go to this small room. And in this small room, on like the lower level of Masjid al-Aqsa, is the room where they put her and she used to pray. And it was known that you, they, because they didn't want her, this is going to sound very familiar, they didn't want her to come from the front door. <laughs> actually go to class. Diversity. And they said, right, diversity and inclusion. No, we don't have that. <laughs> and so they said, okay, listen, you little female warrior. We're going to make you clean. You want to be in service because that was a part of it, that you want to be in service to the university, in service to the teachers. You have to sweep and clean and do the laundry of the students. And so she said, alhamdulillah, I will take my step. So she made, she arranged her time where she would do her sweeping when it was class time. So she would sweep close to the classrooms. And as she swept close to the classrooms, she would actually get the lessons. And then she would go back to her room and she would ask Allah to teach her the meanings of it. She would begin to make dua. And then she would, her uncle Zachariah used to visit her, and then she would review it with Zachariah, right? A prophet, alayhi salam. And so, subhanAllah, literally what began to happen is that she, her religiosity and her relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increased, and she would begin to, um, basically she would start to fast. And she was known for, on, on her little door that led to the outside, is that while she was fasting, you know, Zakaria would bring her food, but she would, you know, keep fasting and she would give food to the poor people on the other side of the door. And so then it became known that she was so generous that people would line up outside of her door and that she would give them food and then they would ask du'a from her. So then she would begin to make du'a for them and then, subhanAllah, like karamat, like miracles begin to happen in people's lives. So then more people begin to come Right? And ask for food or prayer. And so, subhanAllah, what happens is that she used to fast all day and give, have given away all of her food, so she used to faint. And so from her fainting, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent her an angel that would bring her food. And these are the ayat that Allah says she would have fruit in the summertime from the winter. And she would have fruit in the winter time from the summer. Why would Allah do that? He wanted to prove to you that this was a mu'ajizah. That this was a karamat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so even when Zakariyah, the prophet of Allah, peep it. When Zakariyah comes and he finds this miracle on her hand, he says, Ya Maryam, where did you get this food? I know I didn't give you this food. It's not possible for me. There's no refrigeration, by the way. Right? It's not possible for me to give you this food. Where did you get this food? Ya Allah. Hey, subhanAllah. So he, what did Zakaria do? 
What did the Prophet of Allah do? He said he stood in her place. You hear what I said? A Prophet of Allah <coughs> stood in her place and made dua. He's seeking tabarak, he's seeking, he's seeking barakah from a little ordinary girl. He's seeking barakah from a girl who has a relationship with Allah. From an ordinary girl with an extraordinary relationship with Allah. And he raises his hands and he makes dua for Allah to give him a son and Allah gives him who? Yes. Who would become the helper and the protector of who? Right? So really, okay, I'll give you a son that will help her son. Right? SubhanAllah. And the relationship between Yahya السلام, and Isa السلام, is the relationship like between Harun and Musa. Right? And so Maryam has obviously, she's known as the purest of all women of all time. These are four very different women I have given you. Five, actually. Who are they? Asiya. The mother of Musa. Maryam. And Maryam's mother. I'll tell you one more. Sign. Five. Hajar. <laughs> it wouldn't be complete if I didn't tell you it was Hajar. And so Hajar... Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an. This is another woman of what? Great yaqeen. A great woman of tawakkul. A great woman where literally her prophet, husband, takes her to the desert. I'm giving you like the short version because I'm running out of time. Even though you're already eating suhoor, I'm just like... Get my eyes on you. I see you eating suhoor. So Hajar, alayha salam, is taken to the desert. And she doesn't know what she's where she's going and she doesn't know for what purpose she's going there. She's with her baby. A lot of stories of women and their babies. And so she's in the desert and subhanAllah, her husband begins to walk away. And as far as she can see, is desert and rocks. There's no water. There's no sign of any vegetation of any life. And he begins to walk away and she says, Ya Ibrahim, where are you going? And he doesn't answer. Ya Ibrahim, where are you going? And he doesn't answer. Ya Ibrahim, did Allah tell you to do this? He turns around and he says, yes. And what did she say? Well, it has to be Allah. Then Allah is sufficient for me and Allah will take care of me. Right? SubhanAllah. This stance at this moment is literally she becomes the um of the ummah at this moment. Right? That SubhanAllah, she, she takes the stance of like certainty in Allah. Because it looks like you about to abandon me, bro. Right? It looks like you leaving me and my child in this desert to go back and be with your wife in comfort. Right? That's what it looks like. It looks like this is uh, I don't know what I don't know what you I don't know what you're pulling right here. You know that's what it looks like. But what did she say? Has to be Allah. 
Allah is, she didn't just say, Tawakkaltu Allah. That's different. Tawakkaltu Allah would be, I put my trust in Allah. Hasbi Allah is what? Allah is sufficient for me. That's different. Allah is sufficient. If you leave me here in this desert, because he has no plan on at this moment of returning because Allah hasn't given him that commandment. Right? What does she say? Allah is sufficient for me. Allah is sufficient for me. This is the ultimate slavery to Allah. Well, she says, Allah, you could take my family away. You could take my status. You could take my robes. You could take my pretty clothes, my pretty hijab. You could take my degree. You could take my home. You could take everything from me and leave me with nothing. As long as you don't leave me. That's Hasbi Allah. Slavehood. You do to me whatever you wish. Marhaban. Do to me, Ya Allah, whatever you wish. Not, the, not like the rest of us. Allah, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm making dua, I'm reading Quran, I'm wearing hijab. I ain't out here like these other girls drinking. I'm like, what do you give? Like, what? That will take so long to answer my I mean, it's been, I've been praying for five days and... about that one. The old one's like, child, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing on my mind. <laughs> oh, well, That's us, right? That's us. When Allah doesn't answer me, like, you know, it's just any trial, not just that. SubhanAllah. And may all of you who are single, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you with righteous, excellent husbands who are kind and gentle. And there are other things that happen to us in life. You know, there are other things we happen to in life and we're like, why would you test me with that? I have a degree, I have this, I come from good family. Why do I have no job? Like, why did get, I should have got the six-figure job. Should have, she was barely in class. <laughs> Whatever. Right? We do all kinds of things. I was born in this country. I was a born Muslim. How you get, how are you, did I get? We do all kinds of things. Right? Warring with who ultimately? We are war with Allah about what He gives people. Allah, Allah What did she say? I don't need any of that. Y'all don't be, I just need you. I just need you. If you decide for me to live or die, I just need you. So let me fast forward, inshallah. She begins to run to the two hills. Why? Because she's saying, I know Allah has a blessing for me. <coughs> she begins to run to the two hills looking for where is that blessing. I know you got it, Allah. I know. Your promise is true. Your promise is true. Right? And subhanAllah, then the angel Jibra'il, and again I'm fast forwarding, the angel Jibra'il comes and springs forth the well of Zemzem. 
and provides her sustenance. Oftentimes we don't think about the mu'jizah that happens is that subhanAllah, how quickly the vegetation grow in this land. Because you can live without water for seven days, but how long can you live without food? Three days without water, right? How many yeah, days three days, days without water, only seven days without food. So how quickly the vegetation grow in this land? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the tribe of Juhum from Yemen. And something amazing happens where they arrive and they ask her, can we stay here with you because of the water? And what does she say? She said, yes, but I control the water. Why is that important? Right? Somebody be like, oh, she, oh, she the boss now. <laughs> no. What happens is that she recognized Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me a gift. And when Allah ta'ala gives me a gift, I don't give that away. Right? There is something that is unique, a gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. And it's for you. And yes, you can share it with people, but you don't give it up. Right? You don't give it up for people. Because this is a part of your relationship with Allah. Right? Yes, you can stay. Yes, you can drink. You can share my gift. But you can't have it. Right? It's not yours to have. It's mine. My job to guard it. My job to protect it. My job to maintain it. Right? And so, subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala, as we know, builds the entire holy city of Mecca around her. And it's actually at her grave that the Prophet is sleeping when the angel Jibra'il comes to take him for Isra and Mi'raj. From the heart of this beloved woman, who basically was a servant, right? From the heart of this beloved woman comes Ismail. And who in the lineage of Ismail? Muhammad alayhi salatu From the lineage of this woman, from the womb of this woman, Allah sends the greatest messenger of all time in the place where she took her stance of faith. May Allah Ta'ala just continue to raise your rank and make you from amongst the salihin. May Allah Ta'ala make you from amongst those that he loves and that he's favored and that he's guided and protected. May Allah Ta'ala answer all of your dua. May Allah give you a complete pardon and remove the stain of sin from upon your hearts and your character. May Allah fill your hearts and your character with light. And may Allah Ta'ala bless this night to be a means by which he allows you to enter into Jannah to those Sal'ana by his mercy. If you enjoyed or benefited from this podcast, donate and support the Islamic Center at NYU at www.icnyu.org slash donate.